Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for May 12th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. We have a phenomenal show lined up for you today. Jim, a.k.a. XFL Jim, he's going to come on. We're going to talk XFL Championship, look at the USFL games. Nick at NAA Fantasy is going to come on. We're going to talk some fantasy football dynasty tell you our dynasty rankings tell you what players we're going to be targeting and everything along with that and lastly brandon's going to come on and we're going to talk some nas car nfl schedule was released those asking about my thoughts for the nfl schedule all that stuff is going to be this week on the etof 21 sports show with my boy gino gino is going to be this week's special guest we're going to look at the nfl schedule kind of tell you our thoughts some situational bets that we're going to be locking in plus even some futures and some bets for later in the week. So you're going to want to make sure to check that out. Some crazy stuff happening in the National Basketball Association. It's kind of funny to me. The thing that's funny about to me is all these people talk stuff. I said last year that there is an issue with Aiden and Monty Williams and that it's to the point where the Suns are going to have to choose which one they want, who they're going to move forward with. Now everyone is jockeying tim mcmahon tim mcmahon great great guy good stuff make sure to read his stuff he came out with the same report but a year later guys i told you this stuff last year i um so why is everyone surprised by it sons are obviously they're in a win now matt wants to win he wants to get that title in phoenix he is a competitor he is a winner and that's what he's going to do it wouldn't surprise me if they look I don't think they're going to move on from Monty because there's not many coaches I see out there that can do what Monty wants to do. But they're definitely going to have to move on from Aiden. What could they can get from Aiden? Jesus, let me think off the top of my head. Mavs. Mavs would be the logical choice. Pair him with Luka. Send back Hardaway. Jesus, some picks. I don't know the money. It'll have to be probably two picks. Hardaway, Hardaway will provide that floor spacer and then a throw-in player that matches for the salary. I don't like again, I don't have the money in front of me. I'm just kind of spaceballing here with what they can do. But I think that would be interesting. Um moving forward for the Mavericks and then move Chris Paul. I have no idea who's gonna want to take a shot at Chris Paul. Absolutely no idea off the top of my head. Magic, maybe? Maybe the Magic? But why would the Magic do that? It would be a team that would need that veteran presence to push them over the edge. I doubt it would be OKC because you take Giddy and Shade Gildress Alexander off the off the ball. You know, he is boys with LeBron. Maybe he goes with LeBron, tries to get a title with him and AD. But off the top of my head, I don't know what team is going to want to take Chris Paul. You know, history of getting hurt, huge contract. Just really doesn't make sense a team that would step up and trade for Chris Paul. But I really think DeAndre into the Mavs. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think there'd be a great pickup for the Mavs. And it is time to move on. Suns, look, they did not beat a team with a winning record. Let me repeat that. They did not beat a full, healthy team in the playoffs. Every team they played against in the playoffs wasn't 100%. And I re- it really irritates me how everyone's anointing Booker. Booker this, Booker that, Booker this. Booker hasn't won shit. He has not won shit. And everyone is kissing his ass like he's all that. Is he a great player? Yes. Do I wish the Pistons would have drafted him? Yes. But let's have some reality here. Let's have some social awareness. Let's understand what is happening 
with Booker. And let's kind of pump the fucking brakes and understand he's not all that. He is not all that. As good as people say he is. It, can he score? Yeah. But is he elevating people around him? No. Is he is he is he won a title? No. He's been to one conference, sorry, one NBA championship, and in two closeouts games, he's got absolutely murdered. Absolutely murdered. So let's pump the brakes on Booker. At least this goddamn stuff comparing him to Kobe has kind of calmed down, which is really good to see because Jesus Christ. That was awful comparing him to Kobe. But like I said, we have a great show for you today. You know, USFL, fantasy football, and NASCAR. So let's jump right into it and let's talk a little USFL and XFL championship. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to be talking some XFL, USFL with the man, the myth, the legend, my boy, XFL Jim. Jim, how are you doing today, my man? I couldn't be happier, Eric. It's the time. It is is the it is the culmination of everything I've worked for my entire life is happening this weekend. I I feel like everything after this weekend will be downhill. You could only go downhill. I can I I I have peaked this Saturday. I will have peaked. I'm gonna peak that's, hard. That's usually what I tell a girl after the first date. Like it's just gonna go downhill from here. It's usually the truth. Um. So let's dive in to the good old. XFL, and we need to talk about the Arlington Renegades against the DC Defenders. Obviously, you gave out 14 to 1 on this show uh, a while ago. For those who didn't knock in the 14 to 1, like, do I do I take the six? Do I lay the take, you know, do I do I lay the six with the defenders? We got the over under of 48. What what do I do in this game? The line has been moving drastically, like over, under, whatever. Da, 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 da. It's moved from six. I saw it all the way up to seven and a half one day. You see this with lines that have, like, it's basically been sitting for a week. Mm-hmm. And it's just been moving kind of a little bit here and there. I would see if you can wait. It might move to a six and a half. At that point, maybe go with the Renegades, because I, I do think no matter what, it's a close game. What would be the total? Oh, sorry. If this gets down to four, would you lay it? Yeah, I'd probably lay four. But five, you'd take it. Five is probably stay away. Okay. Like five, five and a half, six is also probably like six. I lean towards the renegades, but like five, five and a half, I'm staying away. What about the over under a 48? tough so with how the offense has gone for the renegades and how it's looked i might lean over just because generally i'm just gonna go with history here i know it's a different game i know it's a championship game but the dc defenders and overs have been like just money the entire season i'm gonna take the under 23 and a for the that's what's at right now i I love that i love the under for the first half. 23 for the first half you know what I will parlay the Renegades plus three and a half and the under of 23. Um, you're going to take the Renegades plus three and a half first half? Plus first half, and I'm going to parlay it with the first half under. I don't hate that. I think they could go into halftime really close. I think this, if it does become a blow, I think it becomes a blowout later. I don't think it starts as one. Now let's shift our attention to the USFL using our friends over at Bet Online. 
we're seeing the Maulers getting three plus 155 against the Michigan Panthers with an over under of 42. Maulers coming off an impressive win. Panthers coming off an embarrassing defeat against the Showboats. What's uh, in uh, my- the Maulers lost? The Maulers lost. Excuse me. Yes. They deserve to win, but they lost thanks they lost to a last last yeah. second kick return touchdown for like 96 yards. Devin Hester style. It was brutal. But this is is I'm torn. It's a bounce back spot for the Panthers who desperately need it. The Maulers are kind of coming into themselves. Their offense looked alive versus the uh the Stallions. The thing is, with the Maulers, they don't score touchdowns. So I like the under no matter what. Love the under in this game. I like the under too. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of, I, I could see that being a little people having a hard time finding the zone. Um, I, I just don't, I don't feel confident one way or the other on that spread. Three is, it's tough. I lean the Mauler. If I'm going to bet the Maulers, I'd bet them outright. Like I might sprinkle a little on that money line. I might throw them in a round robin. I might throw them in a parlay, but I don't, I bet the money line. I wouldn't, I don't want to touch the spread. Okay. All right. I respect that. No first half lines up. So let's shift our attention over to the Sunday game. we got the new Jersey generals laying six against the Philadelphia stars stars plus two fifteen on the money line over under 43 Jimbo, I kind of feel that this is the same situation the Showboats were in last week. This is an absolute must-win for the Philadelphia Stars. If this gets to seven, I kind of feel I need to bet them. If it gets to seven, I'd probably back them too. But the Stars are kind of – you're seeing them collapse. They're all, their line play both on offense and defense is disgusting and not in a good way. And the general's style of play with the way they want to run the ball, I like the under here. I like the generals being able to stop the stars. I I lean towards the generals because maybe like this is either the stars are either gonna they must win so they get the win, or this is the season collapse. This is like the the they're hitting the bottom this week. This is the bottom of the barrel. Exactly, this is the bottom. Of the like we could see the wheels fall off if they don't get it. And I'm telling you, I. And because of that, I think this is the thing they I think they have to win this game, dude. I think this is it. I think they need to win this game. And because of that, I'm I think I'm gonna bet him. I'm gonna wait because I could see this game to seven, though. I, I yeah, I could see that happening. I'm so I'm torn. I'm either on the side of collapse or the side of them bouncing back. As a stars fan, I'm probably gonna bet the money line just because of the must win. But my my head says the generals, my heart says the stars. Now we are looking um, at the last game, the Memphis Showboats versus the New Orleans break, Breakers. The Showboats are getting seven and a half plus 250 on the money line over under 47 and a half. Where's your head at, my friend? I like the over in this one because I feel like it turned into a shootout. I know. Bethel Thompson is going to want to score a shitload of touchdowns after not scoring one in week four. It's tough though. Seven and a half. I, I'm torn because I want to fade Todd Haley after a win. I really do. But also the breakers playing a lot of close games and they play to the level of their competition all the time. 
I'm going to lean towards the breakers. I'm going to hope that it gets down. I don't like that at all. I like the over in this one. I think the only thing you should play is probably the over. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. So top two bets are what, what are your, what are your top? First off, Eric, though, before we get to that, you skipped a game. I skip. What game did I skip? You skip the the gamblers and the stallions. Oh my God, I am so the Gamby Stally game. My bad. My bad. Unprofessional by me. Let's <laughs> go back to the gamblers and stallions. I am sorry, my friend. I do have a play in that one, and I like the over. I don't care what the number is. Why do you like the over? I'm seeing. I'm, I'm seeing the gamblers laying four and a half. Stallion and plus one seventy five over under forty eight and a half. Are they laying or are they getting the four and a half? The gamblers are getting the four and a half. Okay. I I like the over just because the injuries on the Stallions' defense and the Gamblers' offense turning on like this. Like, if the Stallions look like this, like how they did these last few weeks against the Gamblers, the way the Gamblers are playing, the Gamblers could get 40 on their own. And this could just turn into a shootout. We've seen all along a so, shout-out to my dog for rolling on the remote control. I apologize for that. Shout-out, um, dog. His name's Kool-Aid. He's a son of a bitch. Um, do we round Robin this week? Do we okay. do a Maulers, Gamblers? If if I'm round robining, I am including the Renegades in this. So I'm going to do a little like cross-league round robin. I would do the Renegades, the Maulers, the Gamblers, and probably just those three. I don't know if I trust the stars. I definitely don't trust the showboats. Okay. So what is looking at it? I mean, obviously, you know, you're sitting on a 14 to one. I'm sitting on a 14 to one because of you. So I thank you because for that on the, on the, uh, whatchamacallit. So I'm really not going to have a bet besides the first half under in the XFL game. So that's my one play in that. Do you have any plays in the XFL that you're going with, or? So if that if that stays at six and a half, I like the Renegades. I like the. I mean, if you haven't bet it already, I, it's, there's value on the money line, especially if it does get to seven. If you see it at a seven or a six, like six and a half, there's value there. I'm probably just going to take the Renegades plus six and a half or plus seven if I can find it. Um. So you're going to be on that. Are you going to play the first half under or not? I will. I will lockstep with you on the first half under. We ride. We ride together for that. Now in this game right here. Um, now for the USFL. I mean, I have to say my best two for the weekend. You know what, son of a bitch, dude. I'm going stars plus the six. I'm away. I'm a hope I can get a seven, and I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with the Maulers plus the three. Looking at bet online, the splits are heavy to the Panthers. I think we can get a three and a half here if we wait. My two best would probably be the under in the Maulers-Panthers game. Under Maulers-Panthers of 42. That's Jim's bet, best bet number one. And then the Gamblers plus the four and a half. There you have it, dude. Jim's best bets are the Renegades plus the six. Six and a half, whatever you can find. Um, under 42 in the Maulers Panthers game and the gamblers plus the four and a half for me, I'm a wait. I'm a hold out. See if I can get a six and a half or seven with the Philadelphia stars, but I'm fine playing the six and I'm gonna take the Maulers plus the three. 
there you have it, folks. I'd like to thank those watching on YouTube. For those watching on the podcast, we'll be shifting our attention over to a little fantasy football now. But real quick, Jim, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? You can find me everywhere at XFL Jim. And to make sure everyone tune in Saturday to see me and Uncle Rico on the XFL Championship game, XFL Jim live stream extravaganza. I'm going to link that for those watching on YouTube in the um in the in the bot in the bio on youtube and it will also be the bio on the podcast so make sure to check that out jim until next week my friend please make sure to check my boy xfl jim out on all social media also make sure to subscribe to his youtube channel i'm going to be on there live this saturday night streaming the xfl championship with him make sure to check that out set those reminders now let's shift our attention over to some fantasy football dynasty talk with Nick, aka at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to be talking some fantasy football, and who better to come on than Nick, aka at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Nick, how are you doing today, my man? Great, man. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Now, for those that followed along, Nick and I did a mock three-round draft. We're going to continue to do that stuff. Probably do one more of those before the start of the NFL season, before the start of your fantasy football season. Excuse me. What? But what we're going to do this week is we're going to focus on dynasty rankings. Dynasty drafts are a little bit different because you have to kind of – you want to build a team – that can compete, but you also have to be looking a little bit out ahead. So an older player like a Keenan Allen, if you're just starting one, doesn't have as much value as a younger wide receiver like a St. Brown or a Jamison, Jamin um, Williamson from the Lions. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the dynasty rankings of the rookie class of this past NFL draft. Nick and I have, have little differing opinions. We're going to start at number 10 and we're going to work our way back nick i'm gonna let you start off why don't you go out with who your number 10 is so i'm gonna go with uh devon two chains a chain if that's <laughs> that's how we're gonna pronounce that um you know the texas a&m running back uh the guy's got crazy speed he's a track star he was a track star at texas a&m he ran uh four three two at the combine um i think he's he's a good guy coming in uh but again he's gonna end up being a guy who kind of runs gimmicky plays in that miami dolphins offense he was drafted by the dolphins um you know he's gonna be pretty big play dependent i think in his career but i still like him as an explosive playmaker in that offense. I mean, they have speed out, out the wazoo there. So. Yeah, I like him too. I'm, I'm a little bit higher one position than you. My number, my number 10 is um, Quentin Johnson. I just have him this low just because of his drop issues. Um, He was a beast at TCU. Obviously he's getting paired with Herbert if he's going to be Herbert's number one wide receiver when Herbert takes this next step in the league, obviously this is a guy you want to want to have with Mike Williams constantly being hurt. Jordan Palmer never taking that next step after they draft him. And Keenan Allen rumored to be on the move after this past offseason. Obviously, Quentin Johnson with Justin Herbert is something 
you want. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how he works in the Kellen Moore offense. But the drop issues are what concerns me. That's why I have him at number 10. Nick, who is your number nine? Number nine. I actually I actually really like this guy, uh, Kendra Miller. Uh, the uh, TCU running back who was drafted by the Saints. Um, you know, obviously the Saints backfield is in flux right now. Alvin Kamara, tons of question marks around him. He might miss some time due to some off the field stuff. Um, you know, he had a horrible year last year. Um, so he needs to turn that around or else he's going to find himself <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> so, um, you know, I like Kendra Miller. Uh, I think he can eventually find himself as that number one running back after a year or so in uh, in New Orleans. So I like him too. He is actually what do I have that guy? I I have, I have him number twenty on my list. Um, I like him though. I think there is definitely potential there with the Saints. Um, my next one, and look, this is more of a past. Oh, no, sorry. I have Devon Aitchings like like you. I have him at number nine. My thought process is this. Right now, he's starting at number three in Miami on their depth chart. Mm-hmm. But you look what's ahead. You have Jeff Wilson, injury history. Mozart, injury history. What McDaniels runs is very similar to the Kyle, Shannon, Kyle Shanahan running scheme. Obviously, they don't have the horses with the offensive linemen to do everything McDaniels wants to do. Once this offensive line gets to the level of 49ers offensive line, this is a backfield I want to be invested in. And I feel that with what McDaniels wants to do, Devons can produce top 20 numbers year in and year out. Will he be a week-to-week play because of the big play capability? Yes. But again, McDaniel running system, this guy's a potential for a huge, huge years, year in and year out while he's there. You know, I, I have him at number nine. Right. And I love that too. I mean, I like him because he can become that guy. We we'll just have to wait and see what the year produces for him with the other two in front of him. Now, you're number eight, my friend. <laughs> Number eight. I mean, this guy is so polarizing right now. Uh, Anthony Richardson, you know, drafted by the Colts, huge potential, uh, but he still needs so much work. I mean, he only started 13 games in college, um, you know, but they're already working on his footwork, his dropbacks, and the the new coach in Indianapolis is you know, I think the perfect coach to develop him. So I think he has a lot of potential and that, you know, that's why I got him in my, in my top 10. He's an incredible athlete. I have him a number eight too. And you just look at um, the Indianapolis coaches history, Shane Stinkin, Stankon. I probably pronounced it that, but <laughs> I think it's Steichen. Steichen. Yes. You look at the credit, he's getting credit for Hertz. He's getting credit for the hurt for the step. Yeah. Got, he's getting credit for the step that, Justin Herbert got because he was in Los Angeles before I moved here. So when you see quarterbacks improve and take that, get to that elite level with that coaching, you have to put the respect here. Now, let's face it. This, he's not going to bust probably until next year. Next year would be the year he gets on the scene. This year is going to be a developmental season for him. That's right. why I'm at eight. 
because it's either going to be he's either going to bottom out and just be nothing in this league or he's going to be this net Shane's next great player that he takes that elite level. That's why I'm number eight, just for the respect to Shane. Um, yeah, I, I don't have him. I don't have him any higher because I don't want to take that gamble yet. You know, because he's literally, you know, we don't know enough about him. Like Jalen Hurts had God knows how many starts in college, so much experience. Justin Herbert experience. You know, it's just we don't know. Oh. Um, number seven. <laughs> I know you're not going to like this, but I have uh, Jameer Gibbs drafted by the Lions really high, taken in the first round at, what was that, number 12? Yeah. I mean, I'm just going based on the history of Lion, Lions running backs, the curse. Of, I'm going with the curse of the Lions running back. I don't have him higher. I know a lot of people probably have him in the top three because he's a – He's a first-round running back that was drafted, but I have a number seven. I'm just not – I mean, he's obviously got speed and talent, but I, I'm going with the curse here, and I'm not, I'm not having him any higher than seven. <laughs> um, respectfully disagree. Um, <laughs> I know you do. My, my number seven is Jordan, Jordan Anderson, and why do I have him at number seven? Is because he's paired with Justin Jefferson. Um, I just kind of feel with Jefferson demanding so much of the ball. Obviously, the Vikings are kind of in an influx with what they're going to do at the quarterback position after this year once they can get out of the Kirk Cousins contract. You don't know what you're going to be getting. You, there's a, just a lot of question marks. You don't know. And it's Minnesota. Like, if they stay with Kurt, do you really trust Kurt? Do you really trust O'Connell as a coach? I don't. I really didn't like what I saw with them last year. Luckiest team in the NFL, them and the Giants. Uh is Addison good? Yes. Elite route running? Yes. Good hands? Yes. Player? Yes. But there's only one football to go around. If Justin Jefferson is demanding so many targets, you're really not going to get that wide receiver one value from him. With him paired with Jefferson, I think his ceiling is is Jalen Waddle, which is a wide receiver too. Uh, number six, my friend, who you got? C.J. Stroud. Um, you know, drafted by the Texans, number two. Uh, I think he is going to be the top quarterback coming out of this draft, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. <laughs> um, so I've got him at I've got him at number six. Um, I think he's going to be somebody you can uh, rely on. I think he can be a, another. Deshaun Watson type, you know, minus hopefully there's no off off field issues like Deshaun Watson had. Um, but uh, I like him at number six. Um, yeah, I like him again. A player, another player. I'm a little bit high on. Um, I am going to take a swing for the fence here. And I am going to go Mr. Rice, Rashid Rice from the Kansas City Chiefs. This is my thought process. You're pairing him with Patrick Mahomes, who we can both agree is the best quarterback. Yes, am I worried that his six-foot frame at SMU, where he put up dominant numbers, was, was, was because he was at SMU against less stout competition? Yeah, I'm a little afraid we're going to see him struggle to make that jump. From the 
from the um, non-power five level to the NFL. A lot of there's a lot of people hyping Sky Moore when Sky Moore came out last year, and <laughs> yeah. he kind of failed. Are we going to see this from from Rice? I don't think so. I think Rice is a better wide receiver than Sky than Sky Morris. He's got more in the route tree. I think he's got better hands. I think he can be good. I think he can be that guy that Mahomes depends on. Because we need to remember this. Travis Kelsey is getting up there in age. We need to remember that. So because of that, I'm taking I'm taking Rice at six. I think there's going to be some targets that are going to be opened up for Patrick Mahomes over the next couple of years. Yeah, I like Rice too. I had him literally just outside the top 10 at 11 for me. So I still think he's a viable uh, option there. Um, next, Nick, let's, who is your number four? Number five, number five. Um, he, so this is where we kind of, you know, differed a little bit, um, in our rankings. I have, I have a lot of wide receivers high in this, um, due to the fact that, you know, we're getting into this, uh, um, you know, the way, the way the NFL is with the offenses, you know, a lot of passing, less running. So I'm going with my first wide receiver at number five uh, is going to be Zay Flowers. I have him ranked number four out of the top wide receivers that were drafted uh, in in the draft this year. Uh, Obviously, out of Boston College, he went to the Ravens. The reason why I have him number four is because the Ravens are still a run-first team. You have to to go with that. I mean, I know... um, you know, Lamar has his has his injury issues. The you know, Mark Andrews was his big time target, um, but that obviously went down the hill last year. He his production was way down. I, I just don't I don't trust um, Ravens wide receivers 100 percent right now. Uh, but I still think Zay Flowers is an amazing talent, great route runner. He's good at all levels of the field. So I, I would still take a a flyer on him um, as a, as a guy that can, you know, win you some dynasty leagues. I like it. I like it. My number five is someone that someone, a lot of people had as their top wide receiver on the board. I actually had him on as my number two wide receiver. Uh, Jackson Smith. I'll just got to call him JSN. You know, because I'm going to butcher that last name. Um, Everyone says he's the best wide receiver. We've seen the string Ohio State wide receivers come out, have success in the NFL. Everyone said he's better than the Garrett Garrett Wilson and everything. But my thing is this. He went to Seattle. And if we just kind of look at the broad picture of Seattle for the next couple years, you got Lockett, you got Metcalf, you got um, Walker in the backfield, and they got Zach Cabernet in the backfield. So they have a lot of young assets and you're not, obviously not talking lock at lock. will probably be on the move next off season, but how much is he going to be able to get the ball? He's always going to be number two until DK make, until DK moves on. But he, he can be the number one. You know what I mean? So do you look to move DK in a couple of years? Maybe make him the number one. Also who's throwing him the ball. Seattle has Seattle right now has Geno Smith. And Drew Locke. 
and that's who you're going to be your wide receiver going to be tied to. That's a little bit too inconsistent for me because of that. I have him at five. If there was a little bit more consistency and he'd be the number one, I could have him a little bit higher, but it's not like he's walking into a great offense for a wide receiver. Nick, who is your number four? Same guy, Jackson Smith and the Jigba. <laughs> I got I got him at number four, just slightly ahead of Zay Flowers, but I completely agree with your stance on him. You know, the long-term outlook I think is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gino's gonna be looking at DK and he's gonna be looking at Lockett mo- most likely first. And then you've got there's still there's still a heavy run team, and you have Kenneth Walker and Zach Cabernet now. Um, so I think this year his numbers will be low, but if you hang on to him, he's going to develop into that number one guy that's there. It, But it does depend on how Seattle's going to move on with their quarterback situation because Gino had a great year last year. Kudos to him. He surprised everybody, but I don't think he's going to have that same year this year. He's oh, going to vote. He hit his ceiling. He's going to drop off, and then they're going to be looking for somebody else. And we don't know who that's going to be. But I still think Jackson Smith-Najigba is going to be a long-term great player in the NFL. 100% agree with that. Um, My number four is I'm going to my top quarterback. I'm going with C.J. Stroud. Um, I think you look at what you can do with the running ability, the the down-the-field passing ability. They got him the wide receiver they want. He wanted in Tank Dell to pair him up with. Um, offensive line, they got some players. You know, they got Shaq Mason. They got Toussaint. So the offensive line is decent. Obviously, you're kind of worried about the offensive coordinator, the play calling, the scheme and everything. But when you just kind of look at the broad picture, it's not like the Titans have a great defense. It's not like the Jags have an elite pass rusher and a great defense. And it's not like the Colts are have Colts have a decent front end, but they did. Colts defense wasn't as good on paper, wasn't as good on the field as it was on paper. So he's playing in arguably the weakest division. Um, I think arm talent, running ability. I think this quarterback's going to be the fantasy football stud of this class. So I'll go CJ Stroud at number four. Number three, Nick. So I got. I've got Quentin Johnson at number three. I know you had him back a little bit, um, but I like him. You talked about it a little bit with the injury concerns with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. They can't stay healthy. Palmer didn't really turn into the guy that they thought. Um, I think Quentin Johnson is actually going to eat in this offense. I think Herbert's going to end up relying on him because – Allen's going to be injured. Williams is going to be injured. And Quentin Johnson is going to be on the field more than anybody else. Well, He's also I a mean, big body. It's It kind of comes back to this. Once Allen leaves, yeah. Johnson's going to be the number one. Yeah. And I think and he's going to leave. I think yeah. you trust Johnson going to hold on to the ball. Well, I think he's I think he's going to correct that. He's going to correct his drops. He's going to he's going to get 
get his practice, his reps in, and he's going to correct that because he's a professional now. So I think he's going to fix that, and Allen's going to be on the move after this next year, and I really think uh, Quentin Johnson's a guy to uh, to hold on to. Okay. My number three is Zay Flowers. Um, I know he's going to the Ravens. Um but you look at what Todd Monklin's off, whole offensive scheme is, is he just wants to give the ball to his playmakers in space. That's it. I think you're going to see a little bit more creativity. Um, I know they're a heavy run team. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to have Lamar throw it a little more. Excuse I'd me, love to bit. see. I'd love to see that. Lamar throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Um. And if he can develop a good connection with Zay Flowers, I think there's a, the potential is to be there. So I think what we're going to see from him is his ceiling is obviously what they saw for that two-year run of Hollywood Brown when he was a wide receiver one. So if we're getting wide receiver one from Zay Flowers and he's kind of fills that Hollywood Brown role, I think he has a I, – I, I have him at three and he's someone I want on my team. Yeah, I like that. I think I, it just depends on how much they unleash Lamar to throw the football, which I think is a good strategy because it it's uh, it has the ability to keep him healthier. <laughs> so yeah, like, exactly. He's not running all the time, but we'll see what they do. Um, Nick, number two. So I know we have a little bit differing opinions on this, but I like uh, Jordan Addison at number two. Um, you know, elite talent, great route runner. Again, um, he's obviously going to be that number two guy in Minnesota taking over for Adam Thielen. Uh, most of that attention is going to be on Jefferson and coverage, even some on Hawkinson because everybody's got Hawkinson moving way up on the board. Um, you know, even you and I have him at like number two tight end for this year. Um, so there's going to be a lot of attention on those guys. I think Addison is going to end up producing early in his career early and often um, while Kirk Cousins is there again, quarterback situation, a little shaky. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I, I think, I think teams started kind of figuring out Jefferson a little bit at the end of last season. Obviously he's still going to get his targets. He's going to get 10 targets, nine, 10 targets a game or more. Um, but I think, they're going to start getting a good rapport with Addison early on and he's going to, he's going to produce there. I like him at number two. My number two. Are you ready for this? My friend? Oh, I am. Mr. Jameer Gibbs. And, and dude here, this is my thought process for this. Mm-hmm. This this is this is absolutely my thought process for this. Lions have a great offensive line as long as Campbell is the coach. And let's face it, he's probably not going anywhere. He he has him two more years. Yeah. He's always going to be a coach that runs first. Even this is a split backfield with Montgomery and Gibbs. They're still both going to be getting 15 touches a game. Gibbs can do a little bit more in the receiving game, I feel, so you can add that in there. And Detroit has a top five offensive line. You know, so I 
I just think with what Campbell likes to do, run on the ball, old school method of football, I just think this is a great – he's in a great position. I didn't like the pick for the Lions, but I think he's the great position. You want a running back, run first offense behind a good offensive line, and that's what Jameer Gibbs is. So that's why I have him number two. Yeah. I mean, I still have him number seven. And yeah. I have him in the top ten. Um, I, I I agree with what you're saying, but still, you know, I I worry about that curse, man. <laughs> um, number one, and I think this, I think everyone in their aunt has the same number one. Yeah, uh, M- Mr. Must Mustard Man himself, Bijan the Dijon Robinson. Uh, you know, obviously. He is an elite talent running back. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, I love I love what they did with that backfield. That backfield is going to be just amazing, and they're going to be sneaky good this year. Um, so, you know, I got to go with Bijan because if he turns out to be like Saquon Barkley or like a Derrick Henry or whatever, you know, he's, he's going to be, um, you know, somebody you've got to take in a dynasty league. You talk about the Falcons being sneaky good. Left tackle, Jake Matthews, PFF, left tackle, 14. Matt Hennessy didn't play enough games to qualify, but if he did, he'd be number seven. Drew Dalleman, 14, center. Right guard, Chris Lindstrom, one. Right tackle, Caleb McGarry, four. And they drafted the kid, Mac Burgon, from Syracuse. This offensive line is what Arthur Smith wants to get, and we need to think of it like this. Remember how much Arthur Smith pouted Derrick Henry in, in with Tennessee. Now he's going to be doing the same thing with Bajon Robinson. And obviously Tyler Ajir is going to be there. Maybe they look to move Ajir after he has one more good season. I don't know. But this is going to be a heavy run-first offense. Um, you have Den- Desmond Ritter back there, who's not an elite thrower yet. I mean, Robinson is going to be the guy just running the rock and – getting all the touches. So, and he's, it's going to be interesting to see though, in Atlanta, who do they go with as the goal line back? Do they do, do they have Robinson do the meat and potato stuff? And when they get down, the, you know what? Kind of like the Lions did with Swift last year. That's the best analogy I can have. Yeah. Swift did all the work until you get to the 15 to 10. And then it was um, Williams time. Is that what they do here? I don't know. Um, but I do know Bijan's probably is going to get a lot of touches. Arthur Smith or Ron Siskin, no brainer to me. Bijan Robinson, number one, number one in my dynasty rankings. Yeah, I mean, it it if Ritter can manage the games without turning the ball over, Atlanta's going to be sneaky good. good. They're going to be good. I mean, yeah. and that's that's all it is. And I think Bijan is just you know consensus number one all around for dynasty. I leagues. absolutely love Bijan. Um. Yeah. Nick, I'd like to thank you for coming on the podcast. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find where you can where they can find you on social media? You can find me at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Make sure to give my boy Nick a follow. We will talk next week, my friend. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Please make sure to give my boy Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Now let's shift our attention over to NASCAR and welcome Brandon to the show. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're talking NASCAR and who better to come on than Brandon, aka at Boston Boy 83. Brandon, how you doing today, my man? Doing good, my man. Darlington. Good, good. Darlington. Um, so I read this interesting thing 
this is the fifth race that NASCAR has an oval and it's been standard equipment. The other ones have been the Auto Club, Vegas, Dover, and Kansas. So tell us how this this track runs and what should we be looking for out there? Up against the wall, I just watched uh, Xfinity qualifying, and it's called the Lady in Black for a reason, because at the end of the race, this nice red and white wall is going to be all black from tires. Um, you got to ride the rails on it. You look at all these last finishes. Larson tried to pull a Chastine uh, a year ago, two years ago at this track against Hamlin. If you can't ride the wall, you have no opportunity in winning this race. So it is going to be heavy on guys that push the issue or somebody like a Larson who's absolutely favored. I'm not, I'm not betting him, but guys that can run the rail and a lot of your dirt track drivers are the ones that do that because you're always up against the wall on dirt. So that's what I'm going with. I'm going with a few, few guys that are just going to let it hang out there. So I have two two winners, two top tens. Um, you're the guest. I'll let you tick off, kick off first. What is your first? I, I'm still gonna ride with Blaney. Like and Eric, you can you can we can stop doing these if we go another four or five weeks and the dude don't get a win. But the man's sitting before qualifying. He's 22 to one right now, and he's just been consistent. Yes, he hasn't got the win, and I don't know if Vegas is like the guy's not gonna win. He keeps finishing close, but to see a man with that equipment, that talent, and consistently being good, not winning yet, I, I can't steer away from a 22 to 1 on a Penske driver that's talented. So, I mean, if anyone's, if anyone's due, this kid is the guy that's due. I'm trying to pull up his driver averages right now. Um, yeah, if anyone's due, I mean, this, this is the kid that is effing due for a win. I mean, you know, we kind of saw Hamlin break his streak. We saw um, Truex break his streak. Yep. Maybe maybe this is the one where we see, um, uh, whatchamacallit, break his streak. Uh, Blaney break his streak. My next one is I am going to Mr. Denny Hamlin at 6-2-1. Uh, last seven races, two wins, five top tens. Worst finish here is 21st. I mentioned about how these tracks are going to have similar equipment and run similar to Kansas, um, Vegas, Dover. We just look at him. The Auto Club, he finished sixth. Yeah. Vegas, he finished 11th. Dover, he finished fifth. And he just won Kansas. So how this track is going to be playing, Hamlin does have success. Is he a short price? Yes, he's a short price. Do I hate betting short prices? Yes, I hate betting short prices. But the math is just there for me to do it with how he's been doing this track. So Denny Hamlin, six to one, first bet for the old man. I'll back you on that, dude, because we've talked about it for years now with the playoff platform. Once you get the win, 99% chance you're in. So you're going to let it hang out at all these other tracks to collect stage points and pull off a strategy or something. But the consistency that that man has at the track, I, I would not steer away from him. I hate to do it two weeks in a row. And I know you're going to have a little smirk on your face when I say this, but I'm going right back to my boy Chase at 14 to one. The odds are up there. He would have won Darlington if Kyle Busch didn't wreck him. And then he won, I believe, 2021 Darlington. The man's good at the track. 
He's going to have his dad's throwback paint scheme. And what a story of the guy being out for so many weeks, winning in his dad's paint scheme in Darlington, South Carolina. His hometown's Dawsonville, Georgia, right down the road from there. It could be one of those storybooks. And I just, he had a great run last week, finished seventh, I believe, led a lot of laps, looking good until a caution came out. And I just going to, I think you're going to see his momentum start to carry. And once again, you have a talented driver in a Hendrick Motorsports car that has to win a race to get in. So I'm going with my boy for two weeks in a row. I hate doing it because I don't like to bet with the heart, but I'm going to, I'm rolling with this one, guys. So be with me on Chase. My next one is, and I know your mom's going to like this one. I'm going Chris Bell, 12 to 1. Um, let's just kind of look how he's done this year. Two did not finish his got wrecked. We take those out. His worst finish is 16th. Everything else is a top 10. Damn. I mean, this guy is running absolutely insanely well. You look at the rate, the last two races here, he finished three and four. Am I worried that his two Dia not he 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 didn't finish at um the auto club and I do believe he didn't finish at Kansas? I am, I, am, I worried, am I worried that they're similar? A little bit, but when you when I see the guy that's arguably running the best and I'm getting 12 to 1 on him, principal play, I'm gonna have to take it. So I'm taking Chris Bell 12 to 1. I'm going with a long shot here. He's sitting at 50 to one every week. He's getting better. It's good equipment with another young, 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 talented driver. I'm going with Ty Gibbs. The man puts the bumper to people on a track like Darlington. That would scare a rookie is not going to intimidate him at all. Great in the Xfinity series. Doesn't really have cup stats with this track at all, but I'm rolling with Ty Gibbs. He's going to have that all black monster energy the beast, like I like his odds at 50 to one. It didn't jump out to me until a few hours ago, but when I saw it, I'm like, you know, if there's a long shot with a really good odd that I think could actually pull this off as a rookie, it's going to be Ty Gibbs in a Joe Gibbs equipment with teammates that are running well, already have wins and he's not afraid to push the issue. So I'm going with Ty Gibbs as my number three. I like it. I like it a lot. My next one, I'm going to a top 10. I'm going EJ, Eric Jones, top 10 plus 200. Last seven races here, four, four top 10s. He won the race last year, led 23 laps, um, ran it in um, 2020, won it in 2020, by far his best, his uh, best track. And then you just kind of look at it. He has the seventh best average fitness finished of all active drivers he is just running absolutely well here for a reason could you play the 65 to one to win it all yeah you could but i'm just going to play the, the two to one to finish the top 10 because historically you know he he runs top 10 here i have a fade my fade is ross chastain after that fight last week and that punch and it's i want people i just want people to let this soak in i won't go on a ramp but everybody is asked, how can he continue to wreck people? Nobody do anything about it. Nobody hit him after the race, push him. The man is a third generation watermelon farmer with three brothers. He might not look big, but you can't tell me that that man can't throw a punch. And Noah, 
You're my boy. I liked you in the Xfinity series. I understand your frustration. But you went up and grabbed a man. He held your arm and told you to stop twice. You continue to try and shake him, and he popped you right in the mouth. I don't like Chastain in a track where you are going to have to move people out of the way because I think it's at the point now that people aren't going to wait till the race is over because it's consistent every week. He's either wrecking somebody or moving somebody or pissing somebody off. I don't like Ross Chastain at Darlington. He'll be competitive. He'll run up front. But if anybody's going to turn somebody, people are sick of it. And he's, he's going to hit the wall at some point. I will say this. It's, it's funny to me when Grayson was the guy racing like a jackass in Xfinity, and then someone does it to him at the show, then he gets all sensitive about it. You're so right. I can't even knock you for that. I think that, I think that's kind of funny to me. And uh, I think, you know, hey, dude, you know, you did it. Now it's done to you. Now people can't do it, dude. Grow the fuck up, dude. I will I'm say not this. A racing fan at all. Be ready to watch more of this because the fact that NASCAR did not penalize either one of them, not for the punch, not for the altercation, no fine, no probation, no nothing. That's telling me NASCAR is looking for this kind of stuff and saying boys have at it. So, yeah, because it creates social media interest and it drives people to their stuff. I mean, that's yep. what they're looking for. And Todd um, Furman tweeted out something. His comment was like this. You may hate Ross Chastain, but he's good for NASCAR. That, and Dale Jr. said that if um, if marketing doesn't pick up on this like they did with his father by calling him the man in black and the intimidator, then something's wrong with marketing because this is the perfect time to jump on a Ross Chastain marketing train and watch it explode. Which makes sense, which they should do. My last and final bet, look, I'm just going with Austin Dillon. He's plus 250 here for a top 10. Ooh. Three top 10s in his last five races here, plus fifth best average finish since 2020. I have to do it, man. You know, like you just kind of look at what he's done. You absolutely have to do it with Austin Dillon here. Brandon, you have anything else to add to the fire, my friend? I just want to know who's your game seven pick on Sunday night at the garden. Okay, dude. So here's my thing, man. And you're probably going to hate me for saying this. I don't trust either one of these teams. I literally, I do not trust either one of these teams. I have no idea what the, um, what the um, Celtics are doing on offense and B just freaking quit. I have never seen a team just freaking quit mid game. Like yeah. they're not mid game, but there was like 40 seconds left and they just quit. Well, not they only that, they just quit. where they dropped the ball is when they went up by two and got that breakaway, uh, what's it called? Clear path foul. Clear path foul, thank you. And then hit two free throws to go up by four and got possession with three minutes left and not able to close it out at home. To your point, they weren't mentally in that game. And to watch the Celtics go on like 11-0 run with two minutes and 30 seconds left, I don't know. Jalen Brown called all the Boston fans out saying the garden noise has just been okay all playoffs. One, he's gone next season. We'll sign Tatum to the max deal. Brown will be gone. But to watch him call the fan base out, I'll be interested to see what kind of atmosphere you have if the Celtics are down and Brown is not shooting well early in the game. 
how that crowd quickly turns on this basketball team. I'll say this, dude. And you know what? You're probably going to hate me for this. I think Tatum is the most overrated player in the the NBA. I can go with you on that. Like, I won't hate you for that. I can see that. The ball sticks in his hands. The reality of the situation is like this. He was one of 16 from the floor, had the most shots on his team by far. When the Celtics played their best, the ball moves when it's in his hand. Correct. The ball's sticking way too much in his hand. He's not getting the other players involved, and he's he's forcing his shots. Did he hit two clutch threes? Yeah, but then what did he do after the next two positions? He drove to the basket, did a layup that I've seen my my third-grade nephew do in a game, completely off-balance, throwing it up, then, it, then attempted an off-balance 15-foot jumper. Yeah. I'm I mean, with you. I, I will not. I will not disagree with you on that. I'm. I'm. I'm with you. I. I think that is. Bad I think Tatum is very overrated, and you know I said it. I don't know though. The heart. How can I word this? The mindset. Brown has the mindset like he's an alpha and he wants to be the main dog. That's why, like I know firsthand, he's going to demand a trade out of there. Yeah. Right? He's going to demand a trade, probably go to Houston. I know fool boy on the radio said it's going to be Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins for it's not, there's no way. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know what package, I'll, but he wants to go somewhere where he can be the guy, which I get. Plus like you guys can't tie up that much money to two dudes. And so, I will tell you, there's two guys that is the full heart and drive of that entire basketball team. And it's Marcus Smart and Al Horford. It's not your superstars that are driving that basketball team. It's your defensive player of the year style guy and Marcus Smart and his energy and your leadership that you get from Al Horford. My my two cents. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. Um, I will tell you this. If we lose game seven, like the Boston Bruins did when the Bruins had it set up for a perfect run, and you watch, no hard feelings, when you watch Milwaukee go out in the first round and you're watching eight-seed underrated Miami do what they're doing, it's setting up Boston for, like, a nice clear path at least to the finals. Oh, and yeah. If they sure. blow this opportunity, I don't know when they get back. Like, I really don't. I feel like just like the Bruins, like, this is that year that if you're going to grab it and it's right in front of you, it's now. And if it, you don't succeed with that, then I don't want to call it rebuilding, but it's it's not going to be a good look. See, this is funny. Like I'm looking. I looked at Utah. I don't know who on Utah you'd want to you'd want to trade. You know what I mean? I don't know who who on Utah you get back. I mean, Oklahoma City. Like, what do you think about a straight up trade? Giannis, Jalen Brown. No, I'm just kidding. I'm no, just kidding. Hard. Maybe you could get the Thunder to trade some of their young pieces for Brown, but I don't know. You really want to disrupt everything the Thunder have going on right there with 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 their people. Um, My thing is, if you can get rid of just Brown, I know you're not a huge Tatum fan, but I preferably me, I'd rather keep Tatum, get rid of Brown. You can get good stuff for Brown, and you don't have to blow up this basketball team. Do you think Al Horford, do you think he's done after this year? Al Hofer's done, man. Yeah. 
All right. What's your take? What's your take on well, Williams? Will I think. I mean, I think my thing is this. I think it. I think it goes. Um, I think the Celtics will win. Um, I think regardless. I think this is Denver's to lose. I mean, they may come out of of the East, but I think this is Denver's. I think this is Denver's playoff to lose. Um, I think everything Denver has going on um, with KCP, Porter Jr., um, Joker, Murray, Green, Brown, KCP, Braun, the people coming off the bench, I just think it is way too much for anyone to do it. Um, I think they should be playing Robert Williams a lot more. Um, And I'll be honest, I think if it wasn't for Brogdon or Smart, you guys lose that game tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yesterday, so Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, my friend? Boston Boy 83, Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter. Give my boy Brandon a follow. So hopefully, we can get some winners. And uh, I will talk to you next week, my friend. Good luck. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. That's it for the podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. Reminder that Etop 21 Sports Show is going to be back live this Tuesday night. Gino and I are going to be breaking down the NFL schedule, tell you some bets to lock in. Thank you to this week's guests, Brandon at BostonBoy83, Nick at NAA Fantasy, and Jim at XFL Jim. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to leave a comment. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. really helps me out a bit. Also, thank you to the sponsor, Sharps. Make sure you download the Sharps at Use promo code ETOF499. Let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. Until next week, boys and girls.